So, Chuck Schuldiner. Chuck Schuldiner. Chuck Schuldiner. Schuldiner Chuck. As that would say in Japan. Schuldiner Chuck. Schuldiner Chuck. Chuck-san. <laughs> <laughs> and death's many tours to Japan. Chuck-san, as he was called. Now, uh... We were talking about uh, metal today on House of Decline with a specific focus on the band Death and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, its main creative force, Chuck Schuldiner, mm-hmm. uh, because I hadn't I hadn't really explored these guys before. And Stephen was like, you should really listen to Death. You should really yeah. listen to yeah. these guys. They're really, really good. They're one of the few metal bands that you've got. To, if you're not a huge metal fan, you still got to know about Death because mm-hmm. they're... One of the progenitors of the genre, death metal. Um, not the only ones. There, you know, bands came before them, notably mm-hmm. like Deicide. Was a yeah, or one. Venom is like where black metal and uh, yeah. death metal. Venom was before has both. Roots. Was before both yes. black uh, black or death metal, and both genres uh, are influenced by Venom. Mm-hmm. Venom's a little hard. To, Venom's a little um, annoying. Yeah, they are annoying, but they well they get uh, they get called the fathers of black metal because one of their albums is called black metal. So it's mm. like oh there you go right there. Yeah. Uh, if we in want, the same we can... way death was just called death. Yeah. So oh yeah, it's death metal. You know. If you want, we can talk about Burzum too later because I'm a new Burzum fan. I okay. We'll talk about your problematic love of Burzum. They're just great. Uh, I didn't know how good, I... I didn't know how good the music was. I think Death is also a good band to talk about in terms of the metal genre as a whole because they represent such a nexus between the old style of metal, you know, exemplified, you know, at its peak by new wave of British heavy metal mm-hmm. and sort of um, everything that came after it, like the huge endless subgenres of metal that came in the 90s, you know. Even his influence can be felt in... Uh, metalcore, which I don't listen to, I hate it, but it's it's like it's still there. Chuck mm. Schuldiner's and everything, and so I think as a window into other genres uh, of this other weird subgenre, uh, I, I shouldn't call it a weird subgenre. But what I wanted to start it off with, Stephen, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, why do you think like because we know guitar music is in decline as as a mainstream force of art, but metal. Mm-hmm. Um, defying this trend is still very much a healthy record-selling genre for its specific cohort. So why do you think metal has sort of this place in culture, this almost permanent place in culture? I mean, I think it's it's very masculine music. Mm-hmm. And it's, when you go to a metal show, it's often very, it seems very adolescent in terms of mm-hmm heightened emotions oftentimes metal is emotion driven music as opposed to like prog rock which is like you know fancy boy driven music finger yeah, finger think, living driven it's think, music it's the thinking man's music yeah. whereas metal is like the feeling man's music metal yeah. is like about a emotion general there's I like think... three <laughs> yeah a phrase that i often hear metal fans say when you ask them you know why metal is surge of power Mm. i hear that phrase a lot like this it's energy music in the same way that you know punk is energy music yeah but um i think metal has more because it it isn't tied to trendiness or fashion in a way that punk is metal sort of 
subsists in its own realm and has never been sort of subject to this uh, push and pull of of like mainstream music politics. Right. The, um, I mean, I don't know what the current scene is like now. I don't know who the new. I don't know if there is a new hot metal band. Can you think of one? Like a newish. Um, the new. Who's I can think the, of the newest? I think it's all like it's metalcore shit that's really popular, right? Mm-hmm. Like Bullet for My Valentine is popular, or something like that. You know, whiny guys. I don't know if whiny there's been a big guys. breakthrough. I would have. I would have thought I would have heard maybe, but I have. I don't really have my ear. I mean, there's the also hipster metal now, which is uh, like the sword. death heaven. Or, oh, and ooh. people like that. I was and thinking liturgy. The, I was thinking the sword. They're the sword. Really... I mean, the sword is like the sword is a power metal band that is self-aware about how goofy power metal is, which is, I guess, the innovation of the sword. They they dress like, like hipsters. Know... Yes, they certainly do. I appreciate that about them. I like them yes. more after I saw that they dressed like hipsters. <laughs> I guess that's just uh, me being conformist. I guess I think it's like I think. I think it's a certain type of metal. There's sort of um, a criticism of that sort of more hipstery metal is it is it doesn't really take seriously the tropes of metal or it like mm-hmm. takes sort of a divorced or meta approach to metal, like where it understands the tropes and then deconstructs them because it's like, what, you're not good enough for our tropes anymore? Yeah. People have that reaction. It's like, what, you can't take all of this darkness and sadness and growly shit seriously then why are you even in metal you know why are you trying to you know change it into something where you're you're thinking about it in an abstract sense as opposed to feeling it like people like metal fans that don't like hipster metal like uh death heaven or liturgy are like um if you take away from the if you abstractify the world of metal it loses its power Hmm. you know Maybe. I feel like they're, because it makes it less emotional, like you said, it's an emotional form of music. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, like, a political form of music, like punk can often be, or, like, uh, punk I often, I don't necessarily associate with, like, emotional expression, but rather sort of sarcasm or snottiness or rebellion in a lot of senses. I mean, there is emotional punk music, that was the innovation of emo. But yeah, metal is very much about your angry male feelings. Yeah, and and like working through them. Yeah. Um, that's what I was talking about. The, like, I haven't been to that many metal shows, but mm-hmm. the ones I have been to are really like a bunch of people getting to, together to take out their aggression in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's just like you know, it takes. It's sort of like how you will wrestle with your buds. Um, mm-hmm. But you get to do it to a soundtrack. Yeah. And everyone is, it's like the, you know, the mosh pit is where everyone looks out for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Ideally. There, there are bad mosh pits. Ever. Yeah, there can be. Um, I mean, in terms of most recent, what I've seen in terms of the, like the metal culture, when quarantine started, I saw a very funny Minecraft wall of death <laughs> because Lamb of God did a Minecraft concert. <laughs> and so there was a and of course the wall of death is where you get two sides of people lining up and then they just at a certain point run into each other mm-hmm. and they were doing it with the minecraft uh characters <laughs> which guys, was virtual very metal concerts yeah. the community but it is a very community oriented genre as well because i think you know as sort of a dude 
It's hard to talk about your feelings sometimes. It's hard to ba- talk about your sense of utter alienation from the mm-hmm. world in a way that, you know, because society has sort of limited your ability to express emotion. It calls you like a fag if you <laughs> if you do it in a non-normative way. So metal sort of gives you a way, a shorthand, along with other young people. It's I mean, metal is a very male-dominated genre. There's lots of women who like it, but it's very, it's objectively yeah, male-dominated. Yeah, I think it's changing. I think... I think we'll see more female metal bands, um, Mm -hmm. which I think will be great because at least vocally you can do a lot, you know, a lot of stuff metal has not had. Like most female vocalists in metal are generally going to be in symphonic metal, which we've both agreed is super lame. Yeah, it's, it's one of the lamest genres. I mean, it's not also if it has like a chubby lady opera singer as its front person, it's gonna be bad. If it's like right. if you consider like Dimmu Borger symphonic metal, Dimmu Borger is fine. Well, there is uh, um, Cradle of Filth is a symphonic yes. metal band, and they're just very funny for how depressing they are. Yes, they're because they are. In, they're featured theatrical. in that. Do you remember that show, um, the IT Crowd? Yes. And um, is it Noel Fielding? Yeah, no fielding. Who's place. the, who's the, <laughs> He's ser- the server guy? Got the goth server mm-hmm. uh, guy who's <laughs> really into Cradle of Filth. Yeah, he's just giving people Cradle of Filth albums all the time. Oh man, I, f- I fucking love the IT crowd. It's a oh, shame yeah. that fucking Graham Linnean's such a fucking asshole. Is is that the um, the white guy? No, no, it's the creator of the IT oh. crowd and a lot of other great British sitcoms. Graham Linnean um, is very anti-trans. And not just like casually anti-trans. He's he's gone into he went into the J.K. Rowling territory where oh. it's like, okay, this is all I talk about now. This is my mission in life. That's weird. Is to be like these fucking pronouns are taking our jobs or whatever. These, yeah, these pronouns are taking my jobs away. <laughs> these fucking pronouns I are mean, taking our job. I get. I don't know. Anyone who who makes a show and puts a laugh track in it is gonna be, I think, pretty narcissistic. But yeah, the IT crowd has a lot of funny, and they do mention Cradle of Filth in the yeah, IT crowd. It's Noel no Fielding's character who mentions it. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, but we can all agree. Yeah, uh, the other lady metal I can think of is Girl School, who are sort of Motorhead's lady cohorts. Um, uh, there's like stuff like Flyleaf. Um, but yeah, stuff that came in the wake of Evanescence. <laughs> I mean, Evan, <laughs> yeah. Evanescence yeah. at least was very popular and in, very is, influential. Is still extremely popular. Yeah, which is wake me funny. up, wake me up inside. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think broad strokes why metal is popular and has this just permanent popularity is because it speaks to this unique suppression slash aggression thing that a lot of people have and it provides the sound of that Mm. uh for a lot of people um also it's you know a lot of people's entryway into reconciling the horrors of war for example like war metal is a very prominent genre especially in canada um who what are what are bands like that i guess pig destroyer wouldn't count as that but you know they have sort of that um, oh. thing where you're trying to reconcile the horror of the world, but you want to do it in a way that doesn't make you sound I found, you know, weak. I've been reminded of a of a, a metal band with girls that I think is not in the symphonic metal, 
and I'm very I'm very in favor of, which is baby metal. Baby metal, of course, baby of course. metal. Yes, they we are all great. love baby metal. They are great. They're a Japanese teen idol group. Um, Japanese people are huge metal fans. Oh uh, yes, absolutely. Not but to, they experience it in a very, in, some would say, a different way. Yeah, not to stereotype, but yeah. um, many metal bands, you know, there's the trope of the metal bands being like, okay, where can we tour now? We are done mm-hmm. with America, and they go to Japan. Yeah. Um, Megadeth was huge in Japan. Marty Friedman lives there now. Yeah, and speaks so much to Japanese. the point. Yeah, that their best, the best guitarist to ever play with Megadeth ended up moving. Um, moving to Japan, uh, so that's and he the, is just like an eternal fixture on Japanese television. It's like, mm-hmm. I know Marty Friedman-san. Hello, hello, Tokyo. I'm here to throw cupcakes at a lady. Another another thing to to talk about in terms of like the popularity of metal sort of reaching a peak potentially is Death Clock. Yeah, um, yeah, because that became a popular show, and they, you know go through the stereotypes of metal like you know to to the point of burying it yeah um, i mean death album is still the number one selling death metal album of all time mm-hmm. a parody of death metal is the number one selling album of that genre which i think speaks to two things one how the extremity of the genre can lend itself to humor I think some bands lean into that. Like Dave Mustaine, like Megadeth is a funny band. They make jokes in their songs. Uh, yeah. Similar with Anthrax, you know, they make uh, they make jokes. But um, some bands take themselves deadly seriously, I think sometimes to their own detriment. I was thinking about Slayer's Angel of Death the other day mm-hmm. and how it's like, it's just a bunch of Holocaust images. They're not saying anything about the Holocaust. They're mm-hmm. just like... Holocaust, 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 Holocaust. I mean, I like the lyrics. They're metal as hell, but it's not like there's no deeper meaning or there's nothing like there's no thesis. There's no point. There's no statement they're making that they're shaping with their sort of like emotional imagery of their lyrics. And that's why I wanted to talk about death. Yeah, let's get back death to is talking very about special in this death. regard. Like death is... But besides, is it the first two or the first three albums where the first two records it's like very okay. it's standard gore horror lyrics great riffs but very in 4-4 four four, yeah. not that complicated yet but it's this what separates it is it sounds very much like new wave of British heavy metal music mm-hmm. but with growly vocals over it mm-hmm. and like grosser lyrical content yeah very much like gore lyrics like Halloween movie lyrics yeah. Um, What's the first album called again? It Scream has... Bloody Gore. Uh, that one's good. And then the next one after that has this fucking great album art of the, the zombie, mm-hmm. like, EC, old horror comics cover art. Yeah. And it's very in that genre, but it doesn't hit like Later Death does. Because at some point, Chuck Schuldiner is like, okay, what if I actually just started writing about what I feel inside? Mm-hmm. And uh, that shit takes his music to the next fucking level. I don't know what it is, but his next albums are like, he's just talking about how can I be good? You know, what does it mean to be a lead a good life? Yeah. His lyrics get very deep. Yeah. I appreciate them uh, a lot. And I also appreciate that Chuck Schuldiner 
is not only I mean this was something that um you know he struggled with but he was a vocalist and the lead guitarist which I always like mm-hmm. I always like when they don't um wimp out and get a <laughs> get a dedicated <laughs> vocalist yeah yeah like just learn how to do both it, it um, will be very hard though it is very hard to do yeah, especially with, like, what Chuck Schuldiner was playing. I mean, like, Tom Araya is a great vocalist slash bass player, but his riffs are pretty easy to play while singing. Uh, mm-hmm. Not so for Chuck Schuldiner. He's just going all over the place. He's doing the spider fretboard fingers. Very yeah. technically skilled guitar player uh, while also doing these growl vocals that are totally rhythmically different than what he's playing. Yeah. Uh and it's a sight to behold. Uh, I, I, you would know better live shows. What are some live shows you can recommend? Well, there's two, basically just two on YouTube. There's the live in LA, and then um, a live in Eindhoven, some German mm-hmm. festival. So there's really just two. Um, they're both great. They're both worth checking out in full. Um, you should definitely go listen to them. Uh, in terms of listening to Death, though, what album? I, like the album that is generally thought of to be their, what I think is their best is. Um, oh, now I, I'm off their page and I can't remember the name. Sound of, it. of Perseverance. Yeah, Sound of Perseverance, which the is their last, last album. Yeah. But their highest selling record is the one that you like most. I think was Human. Human. Yeah, so, it peaked in the MTV era. It got a lot of coverage yeah. at uh, in peak '90s MTV. But and it's very. I absolutely understand why it did well because it's very grunge. It mm-hmm. has like a lot of the themes of grunge. It has a lot of Cobain introspection shit to it, which is I think why it got big at the time it did. Hmm. Um, but yeah, Sound of Perseverance is like very. Uh, also, Human is all about like I think it's about. I don't know what he was going through at the time, but it's all. It seems like it's about depression. It's about just going through incredibly defensive, uh, like you have songs about, you know, I'm putting the mask on constantly. You have songs called Suicide Machine, uh, you know, which eventually dissolve into him experiencing ego death throughout the album and like talking about sort of cosmic vistas as he sort of depersonalizes throughout this like journey throughout his and as someone as a depression person speaking as a depression person but someone who has uh you know gone through uh uh who has been diagnosed with major depressive disorder and has experienced a lot of the stuff that chuck Schuldiner seems to be talking about in that album it really is great he really has a knack for the poetry of conveying that type of um inner turmoil and i think uh if you're it, it stands amongst the best depression albums like i would put uh death's human up next to like an elliot smith album any day of the week it's definitely one to throw out at parties uh, yes <laughs> it's definitely one that uh, i would i would get really drunk and then upset when someone would yeah. turn off at a party if <laughs> well because I, I also love how it starts too because it starts with the song flattening of emotions which has this um, it's it's like oh is this hot for teacher? Is it gonna be Ooh, hot for teacher? Cause, yeah. It's because it has this really like infectious like machine gun drums nice. thing going on, and then it's like it starts with this incredibly dark arpeggiated riff. It's like no, this is not hot for teacher. So now you're not gonna have a good time. 
gonna have an intense time. Oh, Hot for Teacher is such a good song. It is a good. That is another metal song. I love Van That's, Halen. They are metal, but they don't. They're sort of their own thing, really. Or are they rock? Are they rock or metal? Van Halen, oh, rock or metal? I think they're hard rock, dude. They're they're a hard rock band, yeah. like Blue Oyster Cult. Uh, um, just as a tie-in, you know, I've started to see ads for Bill and Ted Three. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! We can all agree that the Bill and Ted franchise is a beautiful franchise. Yes, it is. I, I love, love Alex Winter. It's too bad he's in that one of my favorite underrated movies, Freaked. It's too bad that George Carlin is not around. Who are they getting to be the Rufus surrogate? I don't know. Are they going to have a CGI George Carlin? They should. And the CGI George Carlin is talking about what bullshit the CGI George Carlin is? They fucking rose me out of the fucking... It would be funny if if they just had CGI Princess Leia. (laughs) Just floating through space. Uh, That shit is incredibly dark. That is some incredibly dark shit. This fucking reviving dead actor's... Because think about having, like, the rights to their likeness, Mm -hmm. you know. Oh, God. That someone has the rights to reproduce your image and make you say whatever you want. Well, it's it's crazy because now we can't, I mean, you can't have actors, like, doing filming because of COVID. So if we can just have old actors' likenesses, we may never need actors again. There you go. Which would be very crazy. It's Romeo and Juliet starring the Tupac hologram. And the other Tupac hologram. Uh, it's just Tupac uh, and Tupac. So my picks for, like, favorite death album. <laughs> Tupac and Tupac. It's the new Romeo and Juliet starring yeah. Tupac and Tupac as both right. Romeo and Juliet. He's <laughs> just and, gay with uh, himself. <laughs> yeah. Well, every part is Tupac. It's Mercushi Pac. Mm. And uh, let's not forget about uh, Tibble Pac. Tibble <laughs> Tipok. 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 Oh, man. I I actually like Romeo and Juliet. I think it's a good play. The play? It's a fun play. It's a fun play. It's a fun fun play. It's a fun play. You know, even though they made us read it in high school, you know, I still think I like a lot of the passages. I was at the shitty public school for that for ninth grade. And and so I had one year of shitty public school. And um, we didn't read Romeo and Juliet. We just watched both movies. The Zeffirelli movie with the titty? Yeah, we watched the Zeffirelli movie, and then we watched the Baz Luhrmann movie, and they were like, and that's Romeo and Juliet class. We just... Yeah, pretty much. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. I hate that. I hate that there, our entire culture is replacing reading with films. That's great. It's not. Reading, reading plus. No, it doesn't. It's Reading's for seconds. No, it isn't. It's better for your brain. It is absolutely better for your brain. Uh, just like how death is better for your brain than Cannibal Corpse. No, no, no shitting mm. on Cannibal Corpse. They're okay. Kind of dumb. But I love them still. They're grindcore, right? No, they're death metal. Death, they're they're uh, full-on Florida death metal. Mm. Grindcore is more like napalm death. Okay. Closer to punk. I think we, I yeah, say. we forgot to say death is from Florida, Orlando. Wait, they are from Florida, Orlando? Yeah. I thought they were from they're, South Carolina. From no, that's Nile. No, Nile is yeah, from South from Carolina. Florida, Orlando. Um, Nile yeah. is a very funny um, band that's much into Egyptian mythology. Yes, all of their albums are called Renhotep of the Myth yeah. Darkness or something like and that. And they take forever to make albums because they have to like plot it all out to be like 
completely aligned with the movement of the stars as according to like Egyptian mythology. It's very cool. Uh, <laughs> it is also um, very deep growl vocals. Um, yeah, and sort of uh, the production is not yeah, the best. Not so good. So the you will deep, not hear everything. If you want to hear everything. Or like covering everything. Oh, that's another thing that I wanted to mention about Def is like very unique production as well yeah, in terms of, for especially for a death metal album where um, the genres of death and black metal, while not necessarily related, sort of shared an ethos of having, of using shitty production as like a vehicle for conveying darkness. Mm-hmm. Not so with Death, <laughs> where you can like hear everything crystal fucking clear and it's very melodic. Um, you can, he- especially the bass, which is like a joke in Metalocalypse, is that they mix out Murder Face right. all the time. But that absolutely happens in metal, yeah. where you just can't hear the bass because, like, the crunchy guitar bass is overtaking it completely. Not so in Death, which takes a weird approach to how it mixes the bass, um, where it mixes it really trebly, yeah. so that you can just hear the bass line very clearly. Uh, interacting and intersecting with all of the guitar lines as well. I think their bass um, guy, I don't know, I think their bass guy stayed with them while they would get a rotating crew of second guitar player and drummer. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of why. I also think he's a jazz guy. I think that's where we mm-hmm. get the like the prog rock influence because there's a lot, Death actually has some pretty progressive um not talking like Elizabeth Warren. I'm talking. Nah. I'm talking. You know the kind of progressive where it's uh, a lot, lot of a lot of scales and shredding. Yeah, um, and not only scale. So what I also wanted to talk about too is that um, the harmonic differences between the three eras of death are very interesting. As I was listening, so the early era of death, the like the gore, the gore death is very new wave of British, British heavy metal music. Um, occasion, like a lot of tritones, but like, uh, it, uh, British heavy metal, new wave of British heavy metal is marked by a lot of these chord progressions. And there was a continuity between that and Chuck's, Schuldinger's, Chuck Schuldinger's early songwriting. And then middle period death is very modal, where it's like we're just playing so many fucking weird riffs that we're basically droning on E mm-hmm. all the time, and it doesn't really matter what the chords backing it are. And then late period death, Sound of Perseverance, which is, you know, I think their most technically complex album and their most fascinating album, like from like a musical theory standpoint incorporates actual harmony like actual weird fucked up chord progressions backing the crazy melodic lines yeah that's a disorienting album yeah that's a very disorienting album at first because they switch between ideas quickly oh yeah and there's like some of the songs you're like this seems like it's 17 different songs but Mm mm-hmm you have to. But un- that's also what makes it cool. Like, yeah, yeah rapidly shifting through um, uh, key and time signatures. Yep. You have to unwrap it a little bit, and then yeah. you, once you do, it makes sense and it's cool. Yeah. Um, but it would take. It can take a little bit of a listening curve. Um, but I found something that's interesting that's happened to me is that I used to be only into clean vocals for metal, and w- mm-hmm. I would not listen to any metal with. Um, 
growl vocals and that has kind of shifted to where now i can't listen to clean tone. <laughs> i can't listen to clean tone metal vocals now it's just annoying um but i don't know i and i kind of chalked that up to listening to death but also mashuga of course but you know mashuga is mm-hmm. different mashuga is a one-of-a-kind band that's my maybe my favorite band ever so we mashuga don't, don't have we to. should we should also talk about yeah. so we're talking about death which i think Death is like when you say that they are a band that everyone should listen to. I think that is uh, absolutely true. They are significant in the history of music in general. Mm-hmm. Mashuga, on the other hand, I would say, if you're not into metal, you might like Mashuga less than they're less universally applicable. Maybe. I mean, I yeah. I kind of think they all are. They they all also are uh, worthy of everyone listening to because they mm-hmm. did invent a genre themselves as well mm-hmm. they invented gent which gent <laughs> is um it's not it's not like you know taking the metal universe by storm um but it is its own standalone genre and there are many copycat bands oh yeah well yeah if you they, because they just had a specific way of producing their albums and getting a guitar tone yeah. And like pairing bass drum hits with riffs, that became very influential in the way that the reason why it's called Gent, I believe, is because the guitar sound, it's an onomatopoeia for how the guitar yeah. sounds when being downstroked. Gent, yeah. gent, gent, gent. They, um, um, and it was, yeah, it's very, it's, they've, they, he figured out, Frederick Thordendahl figured out how to kill all feedback. So they're a feedback less band. And they have quiet spaces in between. Like the the reason it can gent, it can gent is because you know when they when they when he palm mutes the chord and there's silence after it. There's no feedback. And that's per, that you know you don't necessarily think about that, but all other metal bands their guitars are so loud that if you palm mute a chord and you're not playing something, it's gonna feedback. Yeah, but because it doesn't, it goes completely silent. So there is yeah. like actual like negative space in between yeah. the chords, which is which lends itself to their ridiculous polyrhythms. Yeah, you can hear every note very clearly, which is you know another uh, another anomaly in say the the death or black metal genre, mm-hmm. which as we said before, sort of made its bones on having incredibly unclear production. So which actually we could now talk about Burzum. Yeah, as let's a talk about Burzum, but before we get quite did you know that did you see this movie Lord of Chaos? Did you no, hear about it? What it is has, Lord of Chaos. Okay, Lord of Chaos is a movie about um Burzum and Varg and the murder of Euronymous and mm. Rory uh Culkin play is in it. <laughs> and he's playing Euronymous and then there's Okay. And then there's another person who's playing Varg, but another like pretty boy, and it's very funny. I can't wait to watch okay. it. I would just get Lighthouse Willem Dafoe to play Varg. Oh, he's too old now because they <laughs> yeah, were. They, right, he was yeah. young. Um, he was young at the time, but he's always seemed like an old lighthouse keeper to me. I don't know why. I, so I just um, I've always known about Burzum, and I kind of wrote them off as being too lo-fi, but it's good. I didn't realize how much synth is in it. It, yeah, there's it's a lot of very synth heavy, mm-hmm. and I also didn't realize how much of a nerd Varg is. Yes. He is 
very much into tabletop RPGs. So we're talking like Dungeons and Dragons. Um, that's like his main thing. He's making his own RPG, and of course, it's just a racist a white RPG. supremacy yeah. RPG. He's, we've talked about him before on the show. He's a white supremacist. He's like off yeah. on Twitter, like discussing whether or not Southern Italians are the same genetic <laughs> makeup as ancient Egyptians, and it's just like, who the fuck cares? That's the new Nile album, actually. <laughs> but Burzum was good music, and there's like four good Burzum albums before he gets goes to jail for um, the horrific and bloody murder of Euronymous, who was another bandmate. Um, he was the lead singer of Mayhem, not lead singer, um, guitar player. The lead singer oh, yeah, of right, Mayhem. The lead singer of Mayhem was a guy called Dead. Yeah, he was just called Dead. And Dead, <laughs> this guy Dead killed himself, and yes. then they used the picture of his bloody corpse for an album cover. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Dead, the lead singer of Mayhem, Dead, uh, lived up to his. <laughs> he lived up to his name, uh, you might say. He sure did. He sure. Yeah, did. that's. He sure yeah, did. That is always like the horrible thing. It's like, because I the the black metal scene, the Norwegian black metal scene, where this all erupted, um, just seems like a series of escalating dares. Essentially, that got way too out yeah. of hand. Because well, the they were all trying to be the metalist metal guy that ever metaled. The way Varg describes it is that what so what they would do in like the late in like the mid eighties, late eighties, is they would all get together and dress up in their face paint and then go out and LARP and with <laughs> and, and and like, you know, with swords and shields and go fight each other in the in the woods. And cool. that's how the scene started. You know? Worst scene. Uh, that's how Quidditch started. Too. That's how competitive Quidditch started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and look at where they are today, disowning their creator. Oh, are the, are the, did did the competitive Quidditch teams disown J.K. Rowling? That would be awesome. I would oh, love God, it. If, I was thinking to, about that the other we day. We should try look, to get them our to Quidditch them. team. Tr okay, <laughs> trans rights. Okay, our Quidditch team says trans rights. Okay, let's go troll the, the Gryffindor Quidditch. Shopley boops are not going to be. The University of Tennessee Shopley boops <laughs> are not going to be cowed by J.K. Rowling's bigotry, okay? Quidditch we can games. continue to play inclusive Quidditch, okay? Oh let's, let's fucking troll them. Let's do it. Wait, is there a University of Tennessee Shopley boops Quidditch There's team? a U.S. Quidditch, usquidditch.org. There it's, you It's go. a mixed gender contact sport. What do they mean by that? A mixed gender contact sport. So how, how you know, many how many of the different genders are do you allow to play? There you go. All have of they them? have they disavowed J.K. Rowling? That's the most important question. Has the U.S. Quidditch League disavowed J.K. Rowling? Let's ask. Have them they for made comment. a post on their site saying like trans lives matter uh, or trans rights or saying trans women are women or I'm searching. Fuck turfs. No, I don't see anything. We, Media, Boo! Media Boo resource. U.S. Quidditch. Denounce J.K. Rowling, U.S. Quidditch. Yeah. Or we're gonna boycott you. Let's let's uh, let's uh, get them to let's force them into making a statement. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> are you emailing them right now? Or are you at the other contact? I'm on their website. Yeah, I found press. It's press dot uh, press at usquidditch.org. There you go. So, so the fact that you have not made a statement about J.K. Rowling's turfery is disgusting. 
You should be ashamed of yourselves. Well, I mean, the... the, the Please th- clarify your position. The 13th U.S. Quidditch Cup was canceled because of COVID, so... <laughs> oh, no! The 13th? Yeah. The 13th? How many people participate in this? A lot. I don't get... Do they have to have, like, a broomstick in between their legs the whole time they're they running do. around? That's hilarious. I think they do. Oh my god! That's part of the game. Yes, it is. They are all. Oh, I'm watching it now. It's just You're watching competitive Quidditch right now. It just looks like lacrosse, but they're all holding the sticks wrong. They're all. <laughs> they're, they. Oh god. Hey, if you don't like straddling, you're not gonna like this. This is. If you're not this, a fan of straddling. If you're not say, Izzy Stradlin from <laughs> Guns and Roses. This is. And these are well attended games, but they people all people love this shit. People. They love. all look like they're holding a big dick. And it's their own. People people love Harry Potter. People love this shit. They love it more than their firstborn children. They can't get enough of it. They feel it applies to everything in their life. We should have banned it when the when the when the Presbyterians wanted us to. You know? (laughs) We should have banned it. They were right. All of those Christians that said that Harry Potter was satanic were absolutely fucking right. They were right on the money. It's just Satan. It's just neoliberal Satan politics. Fuck Harry Potter. It's just Bahomet. Bahomet. Bahomet, yeah. Oh, yeah, Harry Potter was originally a sigil to Bahomet. Bahomet. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we got a little out of hand. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, fucking... Yeah, there was also... So there was a, a wizard rock movement as well. Which makes me think there must be a... Where, like, bands called, like, Harry and the Potters and, like, Ginny and the Weasleys... Yeah, there's wizard metal. ...would tour. So I imagine there must be wizard metal, yes. Specifically Harry Potter-themed metal. Oh, yeah, there is. There's, uh, there's in fact, 101... I found a list of 101 epic wizard metal bands you must hear before a dwarf rapes your princess. People love Harry Potter! There is a cottage industry <laughs> for Harry Potter-themed metal. That's how much people love this stupid fucking genre. And that's how much it was important that J.K. Rowling shit the fucking bed. <laughs> because this has... I don't think people quite understand the amount of cultural cash this one stupid fucking boy wizard story has. I mean, it's... You mean cachet? Cachet. Or just cash. I like saying cash. Cachet cash. Cash money. Yeah. Well, she's a, isn't she a billionaire now? She was a billionaire. I think she donated her way out of a billionaireship, which people say, oh, that's great, but she's a, like a 900 millionaire now, so it's not, you know, she's not she's not poor or nothing. If I had a billion dollars, I wouldn't donate a single penny of it. <laughs> I would keep it all for myself and give it to no one. I would buy Little St. James. <laughs> I would walk around I, uh, and ask people if they wanted some and then be like, that's so funny because I won't give you any. <laughs> I would love to deny people money. Yeah. That would be cool. I I couldn't. I'm a big, I'm too big of a softie. Yeah, I know. I would you probably you, spend it extremely foolishly. You would go and like, give it to all one guy who the first guy that yeah. asked you on the yeah, street. Yeah, like, I'm starving. You poor man, have it all. <laughs> I don't deserve this. I'm going to go back to my job at the shit factory. It's an honest living. Mm, that's where all the... Hey, where else are we going to get all the shit? I know. It's... Hey, this shit doesn't come from anywhere. This shit doesn't grow on trees. No. 
What, you think I just plant my shit seeds and it just sprouts a fucking a shit plant which turns into a shit tree? Chop it with my shit axe and get the shit lumber? Yeah. I guess I'm just doing a trailer park boys bit at this point. It's it's just uh, talking like Leahy. And trailer park boys, the greatest piece of Canadian culture, uh, is now resonant again because Jerry Falwell Jr. got caught with his pants down oh, man, that... at a trailer park boys themed party on his boat. Oh, it was a trailer park boys themed party? Yes, it was a trailer park boys what? themed party. What? He was supposed to be dressed as Julian from Trailer Park Boys, or at least that's the excuse he gave as to why his like jeans were unbuttoned with his uh, sexy lady compatriot. I mean, it looked bad. It did look like he had just finished like impregnating her. <laughs> like the picture highly implied like this is my barefoot wife and she just has one purpose and that's to bear me children's. <laughs> That's the vibe the picture gave off, 100%. It was a weird-looking picture. And now I can't believe it. He's, like, on a leave of absence. Or yeah, they, down. I, think, I don't know if they forced him to resign or he resigned himself. Not resign, but taking, a, as you said, leave of absence. Uh, so classic. And as many people are pointing out, this hues very close to the plot of the recent Danny McBride show, um, Righteous Gemstones. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> which is wonderful. A wonderful, wonderful show. Yeah. Uncle Baby Billy. Uncle Baby Billy. That's a good Mama told me I did anyway, me as be. Hey, man. I think metal is also interesting in that it sort of occupies a, a similar niche as country or folk music in that they're extant genres of guitar music that were once dominating the mainstream milieu that have since you know become these little sub communities mm. that thrive but no longer are part of this uh cultural uh discourse the funny which thing is now pretty much exclusively dominated by hip-hop you want to say our cultural discourse yeah yeah that's fine that's in terms good. of our musical cultural discourse I mean, it's like good. it's all hip-hop that's it's... how it should be or and pop and taylor swift Taylor Swift, come on. Who cares? Folklore. People love folklore. Oh, Daniel God. Bryan, the wrestler, loves folklore. <laughs> if I want to go to sleep, I guess, sure. <laughs> Boring. Yeah. I would rather, I would way much rather listen to the, um, oh, man. The new, the duh. No, I can't remember. The new, the WAP is what you're talking about? No, the, um. Taylor Swift's WAP? No. The one, uh, that one other girl who makes music. The one other girl that Carly Rae Jepsen. No, the the album that came out that got a ten out of ten on Pitchfork, like right when. Quarantine. An album came out that got to Fiona Apple. Yeah, yeah, Fiona, that album is way they, better. They like Fiona Apple. She's way better than Taylor Swift. Fiona Apple's a good songwriter. She's she's genuinely very talented. Like, I like the song Criminal. I don't know much about Fiona Apple. That but album you know, is sick. So a little more substantial than T Swift. Yeah. A little more, little more thoughtful. People little should, less going straight for the middle. Like why? You know, Taylor Swift has one vibe, and it's a boring one. When you gonna date me? When you gonna date me? When you gonna date my pussy? Yeah. When you gonna date me? When you gonna date me? When you gonna date my? Is pussy? she gonna get well, married or what? Taylor Swift? Yeah. I don't know. Come, like the, her what next, she does. Her next thing, I, I feel like she's expressed all you can express based on being broken up with as a girlfriend, and now she needs uh, to get married and divorced and then have an album. 
I predict a lesbian album. I predict a gay turn and a lesbian <laughs> album. <laughs> you joke, but I think that's the next logical step for Taylor Swift. If you know, like, I've explored hetero heartbreak. What if it's time for homo heartbreak? And that's the new Taylor Swift album, Triple H Homo Heartbreak Hotel. Triple H Homo Heartbreak Hotel. <laughs> Has it got the wrestler Triple H involved somehow? Yeah, the wrestler Triple H is involved. <laughs> he's he's nice. he co-produced the album. Yeah, he's, uh, he's said you have to use my initials. Mm-hmm. This is getting we're getting way. That's another funny subgenre is wrestler metal albums. I guess I get all the metal bands as um, Chris Jericho's Fozzy. <laughs> Well, we were, we were going to talk about Burzum. The Burzum music is synth-heavy but good. Okay. The first four Burzum albums are cool. I don't know yeah. about the rest. And the way he described the music was that he was he was weaving a spell. Ooh. And, and that he wanted to enchant the listener into, I guess, giving up Christianity in favor of like Norse paganism, which is what he's yeah, really in favor into. Of- Odin hammer worship because yeah. according to Varg the worst thing that ever happened was Christianity uh it's not the worst thing that ever happened yeah. <laughs> according to him that's he hates Christianity like so much it's very funny you think you thought Christopher Hitchens hated Christianity mm-hmm. Well, we can. I dislike Christianity as well. <laughs> so when I'm not too fond of Christianity, and so as well, when Varg. when Varg was on trial for murdering his bandmate by brutally stabbing him, the media and the and the um, prosecutor slandered him by calling him a Satanist, and he was he's not a Satanist very though. pissed off because he's yeah. not a Satanist at all. He's like I to be a Satanist means you have to believe in like a monotheistic Christian God. Yeah, he believes in Odin. Yeah. He's like, no, I'm, I believe in like magic and pagan shit, idiots. Fine, I'm going to go to jail. <laughs> lame. I don't need your lame horn guy. I got my <laughs> awesome hammer guy, you fucking bitch. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a very funny stuff. Yeah. Although, he, yeah, he committed a murder. Like, Yeah. He says, Actual bad dude. Actual terrible human being. Not like a Kanye bad dude. Like, really, objectively, an evil, terrible person. Um, and also did church burnings. He burned yes, and church three burnings. or four yeah. churches in Norway. I don't mind that as much. Well, <laughs> you shouldn't anyone burn... In, was anyone in the church? I don't know, but you shouldn't just burn other people's property down. No. And, well, they were probably also historically important, and a lot of people liked them. And, you know, it's kind of a dick move. Kind of a dick move yeah, to burn down churches. Yeah, arson is a dick move in general. It doesn't matter what yeah. the, the like. Come on, we know. No, we shouldn't yeah, yeah, but doing I'm saying, arson. I'm I'm just saying. It's like I could see someone having a good reason to burn down a church, uh, where <laughs> whereas <laughs> murdering your bandmate and friend, you know. Well, he said that the Euronymous was gonna kill him. Okay. But he wasn't immediately gonna kill him. Okay. Uh, that's so, not very believable. Coming so Varg, from but what, the way it went, Varg, he he goes to Euronymous's apartment and is like, "I feel like you're gonna kill me soon, so I'm gonna do it first. And the way he justifies <laughs> it in his mind is that it was like a preemptive strike. Hell yeah! Just like, no, you can't do you can't do preemptive strikes. On you can't just just do preemptive strikes. So, I mean, you know. Eh. Sometimes you can do pre- uh, preemptive strikes. I remember in law school, there was a 
there was a case in Canadian law school. It was about a woman with a battered woman syndrome or some mm-hmm. psychological effect, but she had a, a, like been diagnosed with a psychological disorder owing to her years of domestic abuse. Um, and she killed her husband preemptively in the belief that he was uh, going to kill uh, her event. Uh, and she got off. Like Scott Free? Yeah, wow. Scott Free. Well, I think that might at least be... It's it's an extremely highly controversial case yeah. and challenged many times. I think that but, might at uh, least be like a like a, a couple years manslaughter or something. Yes, man's laughter. Can't. But yeah, yeah. She, this when I say this lady was a battered woman, she was a battered. What she fucking, she was tempura battered, is what yeah. I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but well, uh, yeah, it was, good, if you though. read the if you read the fact pattern of the case and like the history of the guy's like domestic abuse, it's like even if this was a revenge killing, you know, I kind of get it. Yeah, you know, obviously legally we can't abide by a revenge killing well maybe they could but, figure so out so we're gonna massage it in this way i mean the whole where pro- it's self-defense the whole problem is that it, like the p- punishment with prison is not useful most of the time anyway for anyone yeah so if they can they should figure out something else in general to do to people when they commit crimes besides stick them in jail like i don't house know, arrest make them pick up trash yeah, fines. Well, I don't like fines either because that's just a tax on the poor. I'd rather, like, I don't I, Yeah, jail should... We all agree that jail should really be only used as a last resort uh, for people that must be segregated from society due to uh, extenuating circumstances. Even in that case, those people are usually explainable by the fact that they have some sort of severe mental illness. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily jail rather but you know vastly expanded mental health facilities uh that we would be looking for because you know in my most radical mind i don't think there should be prison for any non-violent crime i don't think so i mean yeah i don't think for theft for fraud for i think you just have to go live on a hippie commune yeah, or you know, you do house arrest for a while. Hey man, and, you, you know, can't steal anything here. It's all everyone's. Like, maybe you get monitored or something. <laughs> you get an you get an ankle monitor, but uh, <laughs> yeah, different. I think you know a lot of the times it's a, we just need to set up some different. We instead of having society as a monolith, if we had several different things, like maybe this person's not working in this type of society and he needs to go. To a different type of society where, like hippie yeah. commune society, where there's no theft, the theft is impossible. Uh, so what you're saying is we should have uh, several ism lands. Mm-hmm. We can have communism land next to capitalism land. Next to, I mean, that's ideally what America was supposed to be. Right. And it kind of is that, except they don't allow any, virtually no communism in. But yeah, the idea of like federalism and having each state having this massive amount of governance over itself is that you could try experiments out, right? And, like, if one state experimented with socialist programs, you know, which happens all the time, Romney Care in Massachusetts being the Ur example uh, of a a modern, like, vaguely socialist program coming out of the states that's adopted federally, then, you know, logically America should have seen uh, a development of more socially conscious states. But because, you know, they... 
America's not really about that. America's not really about an experimental land. Like the the promise of federalism is not uh, is not uh, fulfilled because you restrict the uh, political agency of the states to this very narrow neoliberal paradigm. Yeah, America seems to be about um, imperialism and just controlling yeah. the world and controlling the world's economy. And it's very accepted, too, as like sort of um, as because I was watching Team America World Police the other day. And this movie is incredibly funny, but it does land on some pretty bad politics in the end Mm -hmm. where it basically says that, yeah, it's totally justifiable for us to act this way because we're the only type of people that can remove people like Kim Jong Un. Which especially, you know, in like the wake of the Iraq war, when we know that the removal of Saddam Hussein was not only not necessary, but actively damaging to the region. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, yeah, the the eternal message of Team America, which is, you know, dicks fuck assholes, but dicks also fuck pussies. So pussies get mad at dicks, but we need dicks to fuck assholes like Kim Jong-un, which is sort of like the main philosophical or at least, you know, foreign policy thesis that Team America lands on, it ages very poorly. Yeah, Matt and Trey are not uh, going to be writing our next Constitution and Bill of Rights, that's for sure. Yeah. They're, they're, Matt and Trey, I love South Park, I love all that shit, but they're not, and they're, they're allowed to be wrong occasionally. I think also, if you take all your political cues from South Park, you're a weak-minded person, so, like... They don't have to be... Uh, yeah, I, I also think... Because there was this huge backlash against South Park that was like, because they had bad takes in the past, we need to forget all of South Park and every good thing that South Park is represents and had done for, like, animated comedy. And I think that was wrongheaded. I think we just have to, like, get used to the fact that it's okay for people to have bad takes yeah. sometimes. Well, we forgot about South Park, and now we're just stuck with, like, BoJack Horseman and... Yeah, cartoons can only be de- about depression. <laughs> I don't like my life. <laughs> hmm. No, BoJack Horseman is good. It's all right. It's pretty good. Um, but yeah, it's it's yeah the nanetification <laughs> of uh, of of anim- adult animation. What's where... this uh, new Star Trek animated Star Trek thing? Have you seen that? It's um so. It's it's Star Trek Lower Decks they call it and it's uh, uh basically Rick and Morty but with Star Trek Star Trek uh, Lower Bar yeah <laughs> yeah it's weird how like um this really sort of cheap looking flash animation that Rick Mor- Rick and Morty even though Rick and Morty has some pretty good animation in it um it has spawned this really ugly style that has now become the stock style of like uh, Netflix cartoons mm-hmm. which um. Yeah, I'd really like some more originality in my cartoons, Netflix. Please promote more original cartoons. Yeah. I think we're going to see a lot more cartoons because of COVID, though. So Hell yeah. There probably will be some more original ones. Who knows? That's a beautiful thing. COVID will never end. So You, you were talking earlier, speaking of cartoons, you were talking about Metalocalypse yeah. as sort of the... The final nail in the coffin. Right. And not a final nail, but a nail in the coffin of sort of metal being taken seriously as a mainstream thing, or at least part of the, a dominating part of the cultural conversation. I think the 70s and 80s for metal was that part where it's like mm-hmm. bands like Led Zeppelin, 
even though they're hard rock, they sort of branched over into what many would consider metal and, you know, were huge. They were the bands that defined the era. Similar with the 80s, you had Iron Maiden and uh, Judas Priest and you know, more mainstream, you had Def Leppard. Metallica. Yeah, and Metallica. But yeah, the Black Album is one of the biggest selling albums of all time, you know. Uh, yeah. So, but, you know, a metal album, not since the early 90s or the late 80s, hasn't hit as much in the cultural no, conversation. I don't, I don't think it will. I don't, I mean, there's sometime, I was thinking for a while that we might see a resurgence of metal. I think we might see a, a small one, but I don't think it's ever going to be like Metallica again. I think what we're going to see is we're going to see like hip hop sort of embracing a metal subgenre. There's going to be like mm. sim, maybe similar to Death Grips, but a little more like trap and swag well, oriented. They tried it with country and then it was wildly successful. And then country was like, no, we're too racist for this. <laughs> that shit was great. <laughs> we're too, it's, it, no, you can't. It's too, we're too racist. No. <laughs> like, Come um, on. Why not? It, they're perfect for each other. They want to yeah, get married, but, I think, but they're too racist to get married. Uh, yeah, traditionally metal doesn't mix well with rap either, which is... There are only three good yeah. rap metal projects, but in my mind... I don't even know. That's a lot. That's a lot. There, I, to me, there's really only Rage Against the Machine, and it's not always I, like rap. Ice-T's Body Count, I would say. I like Ice-T's Body Count. Um, is that a whole uh, album? And it's a band. Mm. It's, it, it was Ice-T's rap metal band, and they were the guys that made Cop Killer. Um, which is a that was a I wanted like how fucking awesome Ice T is to have made a hit fucking song called Cop Killer. What the fuck? Yeah. And then the ultimate guy that he is fucking later becomes a cop and <laughs> plays a cop and makes millions of dollars playing a cop for fifteen seasons of a show. Maybe maybe John Mouse is going to be the next person on Law and Order because he also has a song. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Uh, I'm an introverted cop. And, uh, <laughs> can I solve this by s staying indoors? <laughs> um, so yeah, Ice T's Body Count, Rage Against the Machine, and the third is not a band, but one song, which is the Anthrax and Run Public DMC. Enemy Bring the Noise, uh -huh. which kicks ass. Didn't Run DMC Just, do, a, do a thing with Air? Oh, that was with Air. Yeah, that was Walk This Way with Air, but that's not really okay. metal. No, no. That was rap rock. That was the innovation. And, of course, rap rock is a terrible genre. I mean, people like corn. Do you like corn? Uh, I don't. I've heard that early corn is good, but I've never really gotten into corn. I just always remember Jonathan Davis uh, beatboxing like he has Tourette's. <laughs> like going... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's my lasting memory of corn. Uh, but yeah, they they when every metal band, new metal was very influenced by hip hop, and it wasn't like rap rock in the way that rap rock had been envisioned. Did POD do any um, rapping? Rapping? Did they? Did POD do any rapping? I don't remember mm. POD. Oh well, Lincoln. Remember Lincoln Park? Kind they of. They were. They they're they, decent. Are they decent? Yeah, they're decent. Check out, check out their, they're decent. I think live, there's some really cool live stuff of them. And I mean, you can because be... Because they got sort of derided. They're very... Um, yeah. 
they're proto emo in a lot of ways because they weren't an emo band, but they sort of had the. He's a good. Like singer. Chester Bennington had a whiny quality to yeah, his but voice. He's good at singing. I don't. He's care. no Chester Bennington is extremely good. At, he's a crazy good singer, yeah. but like he the way that so the way that Chuck Schuldiner affects vulnerability and the way that Chester Bennington <laughs> affects vulnerability because <laughs> Chuck Schuldiner like. That's what's amazing about death is, like, if you read the lyrics, like, this guy has a gentleness of spirit is, like, the only way I could describe it. He's, like, an animal lover. He, like, thinks a lot about how to be a good person. He's, like, talking about, you know, how to resist temptation and, like, live in a way such that, you know, you make people around you feel better, you know. And he's talking about that. And, like, the music hits hard. The reason why it's, like, metal and growl vocals is because he's, like, really struggling with how to do this sort of thing. Whereas the way that sort of, and it's all about vulnerability, but the way that, say, Chester Bennington affects vulnerability is far more on the nose by going, crawling in my skin. You know, it's very, it's very, it's less subtle, which is, you know, why I think it's, yeah. it's goofier and all more the, theatrical. All the subtle parts are, I the, think, are uh, the rapping parts. Those are you're right, Mike parts. Shinoda, yeah. the greatest rapper of all time. Oh, is, they're, they're, I like Linkin Park live only. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't like one thing. Look up there. They have some and I don't cool know live uh, festival stuff on YouTube from like the mid aughts that will mm-hmm. make you nostalgic because it's it's done well. It's high quality production value, and they are pretty good musicians. I would say. I will say the Lincoln Park song, which I objectively think is just fucking kick ass, is is it the one that goes breathe? Is it breathe? It's called. It goes. The riff is do 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 And Jay Z did a like a popular mix with them, oh. which was like another rap metal project. We'll I guess a, we'll have to have a hip hop. Uh episode soon where i because we'll i know even less two white bars I know, talking about two yeah. white bars i know even less talking about, about hip-hop. hip-hop i, I only really know s- about wu-tang and affiliates <laughs> the wu-tang I, affiliates I know, some, I know some hip-hops i've listened to some hops in i mean yeah game. i've listened to some but it's such a huge genre that like mm-hmm. i've only splashed around in some little corners with the wu yeah, but i think Wu-Tang we could do affiliates. something yeah, well, yeah, the Wu-Tang, but Wu-Tang also spills out, not unlike Death, they're sort of a nexus point for a lot of genres of rap, where they sort of, they operate in their own, because they're just so foundational to everything that came before and everything that came after, they operate in their own little genre by themselves. Yeah. Like, Death is a death metal band in that they make metal that the band Death makes, right. and no other band quite makes metal like yeah, that. Yeah, most other death metal... Is does not won't sound like death. Yeah, which is you should note. Morbid Angel, which was their sort of yeah. closest band mates on the Relapse Records, sounds extremely different yep. than Death. Which is like whenever people sound this music, all sounds similar. It's like no, put Morbid Angel and Death back to back, and like Morbid Angel like has the muddier production mm-hmm. that is more characteristic of um, that sort of '90s Florida death metal. I do like that they on purpose made it as badly recorded as they could. Varg was well, like, yeah. w- Varg was like, I want a helicopter microphone that they use from 1950s uh, to record guitars. <laughs> yeah. 
So, yeah, and black metal, which is not to be confused with death metal, was known for yeah. extremely shitty yeah. production. I think... Kept... Intentionally extremely shitty production. And do you know Ulver? The band Ulver? Ulver? No, I don't so know. So Ulver is maybe the pinnacle of the lo-fi. Because the guy who is Ulver went out to the Black Forest to the record in a forest. And right. it, it sounds... Great acoustics in it, this forest. Yeah, no, no good. Like, it's tinny <laughs> as can be. Yeah. So it's the most lo-fi, but of course it has the spirit of the forest in it. Which and it Of was course. The, of course, the Black Forest. Filled with the mists, right? Yeah. God, this, they're so into magic. Magic with a CK. Yeah. Ugh. Sigils and, you know, putting out thought forms and tulpas into the world. Oh, so I watched Hereditary, by the way. Oh, you watch Hereditary as a follow-up to the movie episode. Yeah, I watched Where Hereditary. we talked about Midsommar. Yo, that, you said you had never seen Hereditary. Yo, that shit was scary. Yo, Hereditary's <laughs> scary, man. Ah, there are too many ghosts. What's that in the corner? Oh, shit. Oh, no. Smiling naked guy. Um, and I like how it turns out to be spoilers. It's payment in the end. It's not the devil, but rather like a different demon from hell. Yeah, there's, so there's like nine or eight or nine kings of hell. And he's... Oh, yeah. Well, did you ever get into the Ars Gusha? Or I the down- yeah, I downloaded it because I was like, shit. I, so I yeah, got no, it. That, shit is, that shit is super cool. I downloaded it, but I'm not going to read that shit. Are you kidding? I want to get, I want to get, a, I want to conjure up a weirdo demon up in me is gonna make me cut my dick off <laughs> it's only if you summon the dick cutting demon so i found dick cut us over. i found there's a and i was looking up the list of demons that are in this thing and there's one who's, yeah. who's like they're all like one's like the duke of hell and the other's the king of hell and then there's one who's president yeah. of hell president of I was hell like, what <laughs> it's hell election oh, day okay yeah. I thought that Are would you... just be Ronald Reagan, but I guess not. Yeah, we just had, it's just Republican and Republican. Yeah. No, the Democrats are just as bad. Current politics is hell. So, so at the end of at the end of, in the ending sequence of Hereditary, when you see the smiling guy again from the funeral, because you remember you see the smiling guy in the funeral at the um, mm-hmm. of uh, the little girl at the beginning, and you're kind of mm-hmm. like, why is this guy grinning and smiling? Yeah. And then he comes back later as a cult member. Yeah. That shit. Turns out the whole time. That shit. I had to watch Hereditary with the volume turned almost down all the way, which is what I (laughs) do. My coping mechanism for scary movies is I turn the volume down almost all the way. And then I pause it every 20 seconds. And I'm just like, okay, guess I'm Mm -hmm. maybe turn the volume down a little bit more. (laughs) So there were some things I missed out on, but I knew they were Mm. happening because I have the subtitles on. So, yeah, I mean, it's also like it's a very it's more of a visual movie than a dialogue driven movie. So that's well, when there you're, there's some clicks like tongue clicks that mm-hmm. supposedly scared the shit out of other people who had like surround sound because there's like a if you have a surround sound system like the apparent I was reading the Reddit people what they had to say about it. And one mm-hmm. guy was like, I had an amazing surround sound system that freaked the shit out of me because one of the tongue clicks when you're not expecting it comes like in the back like. Oh, oh my God. good mixing, man. Good, good spooky. How to how to mix spooky sounds. Uh, but yeah, Hereditary is good. Oh, it's too scary. Uh, the plot is Tony Collette. Uh, at the beginning, her mother has died. She's had a terrible relationship with her mother. Terrible. Um, terrible. And terrible. she's got a weird daughter, and um, some weird stuff starts happening. 
and eventually, you know, eventually we learn, we think, we think as the audience that this weird stuff is happening to the daughter. But then something else happens. It, it is a movie that I usually don't care about spoilers, but there is something that happens in the movie, which, it, like, if you don't know what's going to happen, um, it genuinely affects the movie if you know what is going to happen. Um, so I won't spoil it. I think for I that. know which that part. Scene. I was yeah. telling uh, my listener and friend of the pod, Dan, Dan mm-hmm. about Hereditary, and he said that that part that you're referring to had been spoiled for him. So he was mm. he was hesitating not to watch it, but now I can say to Dan, friend of the pod, please watch Hereditary. It will scare the shit it's super out of you. Good. It will scare your shit right out of your body, and then the shit mm-hmm. will be next to you, and you'll be like, "How'd that get there?" And then you'll be like, "Whoa, hey. maybe my shit is possessed." Whoa. <laughs> uh, it's a very good companion piece to Midsummer because it's all about like family angst. Yeah, and there's uh, uh, it's very similar to to yeah. like, very much a companion piece. The the cults are in both of them. Interesting, mm-hmm. but Midsummer is f- way funnier. Midsummer is like almost plays like a comedy in some respects, mm-hmm. whereas yeah, yeah. there are no jokes in Hereditary. Oh, well, this is whenever like... Anne Dowd is in anything, I always yeah. feel better. Okay, yeah. I always just she's feel great. better because of she's like such a motherly figure. Do you like? Did you watch The Leftovers? Yeah, she's yeah. great in The Leftovers. She's great <laughs> she's in everything. She's great in um, yeah. and of course uh, the Handmade Hand. The Handmaidens. Oh, yeah, yeah. I always say it wrong. The hand, Handmaids? The Handmaidens Tale. Okay. The Handmaidens Tales. The Hand... <laughs> uh, I heard that show took a deep dive after they ran out of book. Yeah, they ran out of... Well, yeah, they ran out of book after the first season. That's kind of why I didn't like to watch it as much, because they mm. ran out of book. But but yeah. Eh. And Dowd is a great character actor. She's she's She has a great part. She's perfectly cast and hereditary as for the part she plays. She's good uh, in everything. Because almost. she seems welcoming, but then there's something else. Well, I, I mean, I don't... Yeah, I guess we're going to do more spoilers, but I do like how, like, she kind of just disappears after her role is done. She yeah. just does her role, and it's gone. And then it mm-hmm. just... And then the scary sequence starts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, poor Gabriel Byrne. Oh, he he's Gabriel Byrne. Gabriel Byrne. In this movie, if you yeah. know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, I do... Another weird uh, thing about the movie and like the meta of the movie is that the director gave some in-depth interviews like explaining stuff. And so mm-hmm. the movie also has really hardcore fans. And mm-hmm. if you go and say anything, like if you have any theories about the movie that is at all contradictory to anything the director said, they'll jump down your throat. And they'll be like, no, he gave a, you know, he said that this happened and yeah. this is how it was. Yeah, Ari Aster is obviously a very talented guy, but he's he's gaining a rabid following of film nerds who look like me, who are like beardo, fat beardo losers. But uh, <laughs> you know, I I'd like to think I'm slightly less annoying than them. There, you know, it's funny. It's funny when the director will. I don't think they should that he should do that though, because because mm. part of what's cool about art is is everyone's different interpretations. So when you give a final like you know you give a final the final word on how to interpret something then you're really limiting the scope of the reach because oh, yeah. but i think ari aster is the type of guy that is like look this is how i interpreted the film but obviously you know it's that's already... not what how the fans oh no he says it's like there's one interpretation well i don't know kind of i mean we'd have to get more into spoilers but in terms of at that like 
who fuck it let's go into spoilers so when, who the fuck it, this movie is two years old so three it, the, years the, old. The, the arguments are like around like charlie whether she was actually charlie or if this demon payment was in her the whole time and then yeah if when he switches to her brother if there's anything left of charlie because and dad's character calls out to charlie like when you know at the end after the ceremony has happened and payment is inside the the older brother mm-hmm. she calls him charlie mm-hmm. and, and people are like well wait wait uh, is charlie inside the older brother and payment and apparently Bleah. the obvious answer is that all three of them are in there and it's the inversion of the holy trinity that's well, obvious to me but obvious some other is that be- what oster says uh i now i'm trying to remember i think according to the fans it's just payment but i don't that's not okay. i don't think that's true it's most it's quite obviously the inversion of it's charlie yeah, the brother a spirit, and a corporeal form and like a, a, a daughter i don't know a sacrificial lamb Ooh, that no i go. mean it's it's the inversion of the holy trinity that's what it's supposed to be that's why there's three there's three in one now there's charlie mm-hmm. the, the older brother whose name i can't remember and uh payment so yeah um the guy who's also in the Jumanji movies. Uh, yeah, three and ones, you know, they in in Hindu mythology, there's the Trimurti uh of uh Brahma, Vishnu and Shiva, right? So that that operates, you know, a lot of uh, in a, in a lot of mythologies, there's always this trinity of you know, I think it, it sort of rep- in in Hinduism it represents the cycle of birth maintenance and death you know of creation maintenance and death creation existence and death so and i think that sort of vaguely uh tacks on to the christian idea as well of like the father the son and the holy ghost you know creation existence and death the the nice thing about hereditary is that it has a happy ending in my opinion in a way <laughs> yes it's like oh they got because like the ex- they got what they wanted the exorcist know. doesn't have that ha- have a happy ending the Exorcist has a scary ending that it's not happy. It's just like, but Azuzu or Pazuzu or whatever seems to have Pazuzu. he seems to have been exorcised, and mm-hmm. then that's not you know it's not really what you want. That sucks for that sucks for Pazuzu. <laughs> no, no one's thinking about him. Where is the justice for Pazuzu? <laughs> That little girl was his only way into our dimension, and we shunned him yeah. like we shunned an old soup. Maybe uh, Pazuzu would have had some insights for us, like, um, I don't know, like an interesting lasagna recipe. <laughs> Your mother's in here with me, cooking <laughs> lasagna. <laughs> uh, but yes, another great scary little girl movie. Yeah, I would say Ex- Exorcist is, is uh, on the same level of scary as hereditary i don't know i haven't seen yeah. many movies scarier than hereditary but i also yeah. kind of believe in the occult well also like i mean the best the best scary movies are the ones that don't just show you weird stuff but make you think about weird stuff mm-hmm. and exorcist has that quality where you're just thinking about it where like a solitary shot of those fucking stairs you know chills you to the bone more than any sort of uh like gory special effect yeah. Well, I, I also or watched like jump scare from a paranormal activity. I also watched Wicker Man, and Wicker Man, the original. Yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> not the Nick Cage version. Yeah, the original is a little slow. 
I mean, that's... And it sort of comes down on the side of Christianity in the end, that's, which is yeah, like... A, it was just an awful, flimsy cage to be trapped in. <laughs> a, weak, a weak dude. Yeah. <laughs> Bust on well, out Well, you know... Come on. It's wicker. He has too much British respectability to, you know, uh, disrespect a craft as beautiful as the wicker man. Christopher Lee was delightful. <laughs> he was a delightful man. Okay. <laughs> He was so funny. He's like, oh, ha, 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 what? But of course. Oh, you're looking for Rowan? <laughs> you mean the hair? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, you know, that's my ultimate job is like whimsical but dangerous town leader. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Yeah. I really want to go to like, uh, like a remote island off the coast of um, England. Like, have you heard of the Orkney Islands? Yes, the Scottish Islands. I would love to visit the Orkney Islands. Yes. Because I was looking They up... would get very mad if you called it England. Oh, because they're not England? No, I'm scared! But I'm not! Yeah, we cunts! Yeah, they would call you your wee cunts hey, or something. Hey, this is a cool part of England. Yeah, you should go to Scotland. Um, they would be pissed. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the Orkneys are cool. They're right above. They're they're as north as north can be in in the the uh, no. There's another island. It's the uh, what are they called? There's another island. The Hebrides. No, there's another thing. Another. I love the Hebrides. I would love to go to the Hebrides. I think. Also, shout out. It's not metal, but uh, Fingal's Cave by uh, the composer Mendelssohn from the Hebrides Suite. Everyone knows that one because it goes. Oh, the Shetland Islands. The Shetland Islands, yeah, they're really cool. Those are above Orkney. Yes. Orkney is, like, very close to Scotland, but the Shetland Islands are, like, less, almost sort of, not, they're, you know, closer. They're closer to Norway. And then there's the And actually, like, um, if you listen to the accents of people from the Shetland Islands, they almost sound uh, Scandinavian. Yeah, well, the reason I was finding out about the Orkney Islands is because the... um, there were some big battles that took place there, especially regarding the Christianization of Scandinavia. Mm. And there's a big... Because, wait, was this part of your whole Burzum? Did Burzum yeah. get you into the Christianization yeah. of Yeah, I was re- trying to read about the Christianization of uh, Scandinavia, and there's like a uh, cathedral of St. Magnus, and Magnus was a saint who, who helped Christianize the Scandinavians. Pretty cool. That's cool. I would love to go there when the COVID's over. I even found an Airbnb that I want to go to. And, of course, they have that horrifying English breakfast that just sucks. <laughs> it's like, oh, hey, are we burned a tomato, and uh, here's some beans from a can. And, oh, uh, here's some curdled blood. Yeah, here's a do you blood, like, do you... blood sausage. It's yeah. uh, blood sausage. We barely cook it. and Here's a tube of curdled blood. <laughs> do you like tubes of curdled blood? We love it here in England. What do you mean you don't like burned tomato? What? What is a full English Brexit? How about well, you know, how breakfast. about raw mushroom? You like raw mushroom and burned tomato <laughs> <laughs> for breakfast? <laughs> what? It's not. It's not a full English breakfast without liquid diarrhea. <laughs> You're really not doing it right if you don't have a big, uh, at least three uh, three quarters teaspoons of liquid diarrhea. We figured out a way to cook the yolk of the egg, but not the white, and then we fry that up and give it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yummy. We figured out a way to spit the uncooked egg directly into your mouth, and that's a full English, <laughs> full English oh, breakfast. Oh, very funny thing about uh, 
Orkney, I've just discovered, is that they have a, okay. they have a town called Twat. Beautiful. <laughs> Twat. <laughs> <laughs> and another beautiful day I hear in Twat. The Orkney Isles are twatting up about. Yeah. Uh, man. Man, also, another thing, it's not related to metal at all, but the developing Peterson Watch 2020 has watch. Jordan Peterson. Peterson Watch. Speaking of death... <laughs> and Jordan Peterson, mm-hmm. uh, he apparently, according to latest reports, in the uh, treatment clinic in Serbia where he was uh, chilling out, apparently has contracted COVID nineteen. He got it, he and got uh, he's looking worse for the wear, according to his daughter slash weekend at Bernie style puppet handler well, Mikaela Peterson. So there's an interview from June of 2020 where mm-hmm. he is alive and being interviewed. And he does, mm-hmm. I mean, it's either an amazing spoof and fake, which I don't think it is, or he's not <laughs> dead. I don't think he's dead. I think he's just been Yeah, he's, really... he's not dead, but it's just funny to think about. <laughs> well, I thought he might actually be dead for a while. Yeah, it seemed that way. But he now, wasn't making... Now, hey, now, who knows? Now he might be dead again. I mean, I guess it was just so shocking because Jordan Peterson was this guy that endlessly produced content. Like, you would see, like, a new Jordan Peterson video fucking every day because he was constantly coming up with weird new insights into the Jungian implications of Disney movies. Mm -hmm. Um, So once you have this guy that's just been this constant permanent internet fixture just suddenly cut off after a while... It's like, uh, it seems, he seems more absent as a result of it. Yeah. Well, we, we certainly need him because the, the dork enlightenment has really been suffering without his influence. Yeah. We're losing our daddy figures. Elon Musk is a terrible daddy figure for the dork enlightenment. Peter Thiel is not charismatic. Uh, you know, we need we need a man. Dave Rubin. We need a man. Dave Rubin is an idiot who can't think for himself. No. At all. Dave Rubin, I think nothing has ever wanted... I have never wanted to beat up a person more when... The, you know that clip of Dave Rubin and Ben Shapiro? And Dave Rubin is like, so you wouldn't come to any of my wedding parties, Ben Shapiro? <laughs> nah, nah. I wouldn't come to any of your parties. What do you, nah, not if it's a gay thing. Well, what if it's just like a casual party, Ben Shapiro? What if we did that? And Ben Shapiro, nah, nah, it should still be a gay thing. I didn't like it. And it's like, I've never wanted to, sure, have some fucking self-respect as a gay man, you fucking yeah. brick. Come on. You fucking asshole cowing to this little death elf, but you fuck. Ben Shapiro yeah. is uh, such a shithead. Yeah, he is, he's... I don't think he's the worst. I think Dave Rubin is actually worse than Ben Shapiro in my weird cosmology because at least Ben Shapiro seems to have conviction. Mm. You know, at least it's not, it doesn't seem like just a grift. It's like partially a grift, but at least he seems to like actually believe the shit that he's slinging. Whereas like Dave Rubin is totally evidently just craven and just doing this for the chick, which sort of makes it worse because it means that he could have any political ideology, and he chooses this one because it makes the most money. I guess. I mean, yeah, I guess it makes him money, that is. I mean, he's definitely the biggest grifter. I don't think he he has any beliefs. No, no, he's a blank slate. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to have beliefs because they, yeah. they get challenged. 
And it doesn't yeah, feel good. Yeah, you might actually have to think about stuff. It doesn't feel good when your beliefs get challenged because, like, you know, those are your beliefs. And you, yeah. Fuck. Why are you challenged? They hold you up. They're like your bones. Yeah. Imagine if someone just kneecapped you. Oh, that's, that's like when someone challenges, you know, your opinions about Scorsese. <laughs> Scorsese. Um, what's isn't Scorsese working on another movie? I think he is, right? The, what's, let's, is he working the on movie another about the 20s? movie? A follow up to The Irishman Scors- called The Scotsman. Scorsese. No, that'll never happen. Come on. Who gives a? Fuck? I would love Scorsese's Chuck Schuldiner movie. Scorsese should make a Chuck Schuldiner. Just, just be Rolling Stones songs the whole yeah. time. Yeah, <laughs> it's Rolling Stones <laughs> all over the set. Back when I was a kid growing up in Florida, I yeah. we had some. So yeah, yeah no, his Ray next, Liotta is Chuck Schuldiner. His next movie is K- Killers of the Flower Moon. Okay, that sounds crazy. That sounds like a Jodorowsky title or something like that. Um, what is the synopsis? Yeah, the 20s. It's the 20s. Oh, it's the 20s. String of murders of members of the, is it, I don't know how to pronounce it, Osage Nation in Oklahoma. It's either Osage or Osage. I don't, I, I don't know. know. A, I'm not, a native I'm not tri- woke. Yeah, a native people's tribe, either Osage or Osage or Osage nation in Oklahoma after oil was discovered beneath their land. So oh. a chilling series of slayings was one of the fledgling FBI's first major homicide investigations. And it will mm. have unknown actors Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio. Never heard of those Never guys. heard of those. I think maybe it will give them uh, some room to shine in their debut films. Um, mm-hmm. Thank goodness that finally some getting some fresh faces out there. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, some fresh, pudgy Italian faces. Yeah. <laughs> People often forget that Leonardo DiCaprio is Italian. <laughs> I don't know why. Do they forget funny. that? Dude, I don't know. He does. He doesn't look Italian. He doesn't like. I. I don't get. Yeah, like De Niro looks fucking Italian. You know, Al Pacino looks fucking Italian. I mean, that might just be cultural indoctrination. You know, it probably is. But like Leonardo DiCaprio, I don't know. He doesn't. It doesn't seem like. He doesn't seem like an Italian to me. You know, he doesn't. Ooh. Doesn't look like a stereotypical Italian. You know. Maybe he's Speak. um only a little bit Italian. Hmm. You know, but he just got the name like. Like uh, like how Joe Rogan is mostly Italian but has an Irish name? Yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> you know, yeah. I like Joe Rogan. I love yeah, Joe Rogan. Yeah, I like Joe Rogan, he's my too. Hero. I mean, he's not my hero. Uh, he's my he's my absolute hero, number one guy. Number one guy. <laughs> Hunt venison. Uh, half on Ben Shapiro. Don't challenge Ben Shapiro's views that well. He does. No, that's not true. He will occasionally challenge a Shapiro statement, but he's not... He's not up to taking Ben Shapiro to task about stuff. I think Joe Rogan but, could... But that's not really his vibe anyway. Joe Rogan could help with the... like. I think Joe Rogan should do some running for office, frankly. <laughs> we need more Rogans. Yeah. We need more common sense Roganism. Uh, yeah. Roganomics. Make it easier for me to get magic mushrooms, because right now the only way I can think of is to buy fucking spores, and then <laughs> it's a pain in the ass to grow them. I don't like. I was yeah. looking up how do I grow magic mushrooms, and it's like, well, first you need a completely bacteria-free room, and you're gonna have to wipe <laughs> down your entire bathroom and then seal it off from the outside. I'm like, what the what? No. This shit grows in the ground naturally, and I'm to, supposed to take all these it's stuff. Supposed to grow in cow poop. Why do I have to make yeah. everything sanitary? But yeah, that's the old Carlin joke. That's where the phrase "that's good shit" comes from. Really? 
Yeah, the Carlin joke was yeah. Oh, dude, no, that's Bill Hicks. Oh, it's a Bill Hicks Bill joke. Hicks. I was mixing. I was mixing up my polemical comedians. Bill Hicks. Is he good? Is Bill Hicks good? Um, does he age well? Mm, he does not age well. No. Okay. <laughs> but he was good for the time. He is okay. He toured okay. with Tool. I like Tool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care that that's Maynard likes cops. Maynard is Maynard likes yeah, cops. Yeah, Maynard that's is pro cop. <laughs> that's funny and also you know not out <laughs> i think that's a good place for the episode to yeah, end maynard is very pro oh well i mean yeah. the new tool album is good but it's not because of maynard yeah it's because i but uh, yeah also i another thing that i would like to say before the end of the episode is don't expect your musical heroes to have good politics mm-hmm. you'll end up in a world of hurt yeah. If you try and listen to everyone that has good politics. Yeah, the only people that should have good politics are the young adult authors. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Sayonara. Bye.